up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo. And today, ah, man, I'm fired up and I'm also aging myself. I have the absolute pleasure of getting able to sit down and talk with Andrew Stewart. And Andrew works with and is the assistant with Matt Tomey, who was actually my first assistant. So before we get going too far, Chase Campbell, the gray beard, is coming out big time today when it's basically I'm interviewing my children's children in the coaching world. Uh, but no, Andrew, I am fired up for this, bro. You know, talking a little bit before getting into what actually applied sports science means because it has to be applied. But before we dive too far into that, bro, let, let's talk about how you got down there to Husker Nation and uh, give us a little a little elevator spiel to that. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I just got here um, in July, uh, wrapped up some time with Team USA. But, yeah, it all started. I was actually a former college football player, University of Mississippi, got done with that. Realized that really the only way that I can be a contributing member on, the, on my team was to be in the weight room. And so that bug kind of bit me. And so when I finished up, I started interning um, there at Ole Miss, uh, University of Memphis with Work Cutchlow for a little bit. Um, that led me, you know, people are going to need a, a piece of paper and a, and a pencil to keep track of all this. But uh, that led me down to, you know, through uh, being a rehab uh, conditioning specialist to working with the military in Boja City, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, which led me to Dr. Kyle Pierce. Uh, and most people will sit there and, and they kind of know Kyle's name uh, from the weightlifting community, but Kyle was the, uh, the head coach for Kendrick Ferris, three-time Olympian in the sport of weightlifting. So uh, Kyle is a great mentor of mine and, and, uh, and got me a job there at LSUS. I worked under him uh, with USA Weightlifting there at their, their High Performance Development Center. Um, and that led me to, uh, to the USOPC before the Rio games working under uh, Sam Gardner and uh, James Myers there. Um, that, that was a great experience. Those guys are amazing guys. I still talk to them daily. Uh, and that led me back into the college realm where I took a, a graduate assistant position. As most people know, the position, the, the profession is pretty difficult to, to get into and break into. So took a GA position after that, started working on my PhD at University of New Mexico, um, did that for about a year and eight months, and then uh, was able to get up with U.S. speed skating and uh, was with them for four years leading into the uh, Beijing Games. Um, we did about a year ago. It's kind of surreal. A year ago, we were celebrating a gold medal uh, by Aaron Jackson in the 500 meter, and we were celebrating two bronze medals and uh, some some top 10 finishes of, of, of literally a year ago and uh, wrapped up with that. I uh, did my PhD uh, work through speed skating and then, um, and then, yeah, man, just ended up coming out here to, to Nebraska. First of all, what an amazing group <laughs> of people to get to learn under Rourke's coaching tree might be one of the most underappreciated and least talked about in our field. But like, if we just started running through who, Rourke has had the opportunity to mentor. I think that there would be a lot of people whose jaws would hit the floor. I mean, the, the coaches that he's been able to put out has been like almost second to none. Like he's, 
sensational with developing coaches and staff. So that's rad that that's where you got to start. And of course, being able to learn under who is like first team all good guy, greatest human being probably in all of sport performance. And that's Sam Gardner. I mean, talk about an awesome like upbringing through the field to learn from some of some people that I, I really put at like on the, the Mount Everest type of coaches. Yeah, man, it was, uh, you know, my, my path was unconventional. Uh, and, and some people see that as a negative. I looked at it as a positive, um, you know, like I was able to surround myself with a lot of really high caliber coaches and, and practitioners. And, you know, I go back like, Again, like I said, uh, Sam and, and Jamie, I talk to them uh, as often as I can, even now. Uh, I finished that up in 2016. It's 2023 now. I, I've stayed in contact with them and uh, over the years. Um, but even, you know, again, I go back to Kyle. Uh, you know, Kyle was the, the epitome to me of a applied practitioner, applied sports scientist and coach, because if anybody understands the LHUS or has lifted it, lifted under Kyle at that development center or has tried to go through Kyle's training program, uh, the reason that program is set up is because of how applied Kyle was to the data, to collecting, to research and to applying all of those things into the actual training of his athletes. And so that's where kind of this applied sports science bug started kind of, uh, you know, getting in my ear a little bit because I saw how uh, a really great story is that I was sitting there, I was training for uh, university nationals with Kyle. Uh, Dr. Aaron Kunanen was there at the same time that I was there. Um, and I remember Kyle, you know, sitting in his, in his, in his rocking chair, rocking and in between my sets of snatches, He's he's asking me, when am I going to go get my Ph.D.? And he's, you know, he's talking to me about that. He's talking to me about, you know, a great strength conditioning coach can can uh, read research, understand the research and apply the research to the to the sport that he's working with. You know, regardless of if it's that research is directly related to that sport or not, you know. And so that that kind of got, uh, like I said, Kyle's been a, a great mentor of mine and, and he's really the one that's kind of pushed me towards continuing my education and getting my, uh, my doctorate. And, uh, yeah, that all those great, all those people were great mentors that I still talk to to this day. Um, and so that was, it was a great path for me to take again, unconventional. Some people may see that as a disadvantage. I thought I looked at it as an advantage. Uh, it's a hundred percent an advantage. And when you look at, again, another spot where that just puts out, world-class coaches i mean shreveport like the list is it's massive and it's continuing to grow and that's awesome that you had such a great mentor to really give you the kick in the butt right to start to dive <laughs> down into into that but what i think is really cooler right now is the team that you guys have assembled you know out in nebraska i mean really sitting here and you've got one of the yeses guys and a weightlifting guy sitting there in an office with two completely different paths, two completely different training philosophies, two completely different group of mentors sitting here and trying to find a way to 
bring all of this together and truly do what a lot of us say we do, and that is bring the applied to applied sports science. So before we go down too far into that, how about we talk about how you guys are defining that and how you guys are trying to build this? And then let's get into like some examples possibly of like what you're trying to do with the research, with the data, and how this is helping the young men and women that you do get to work with. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's it's Nebraska is an amazing spot. And uh, to be honest with you, we like you said, we have Matt uh, from his experience. Uh, Matt and I are kind of similar in the in the regard of he did his uh, he was an applied sports scientist, strength conditioning coach for Altus um, all the way through till COVID, and he was collecting that information, uh, training load, monitoring training, response to training in elite sprinters, track and field sprinters. And I, on the flip side, was over on the ice side of things, the winter side of things at, at speed skating, where my PhD was looking at basically speed skating uh, needs, training methods, and assessments. Um, and so very similar kind of backgrounds um, in those two spots. And then we get here and, um, you know, he and I, again, we have a lot of similarities where, you know, he was a strength coach for X number of years. Uh, I'm, I would still say that I'll die on the hill of being a strength coach or minded as a strength coach. Uh, but like that background as well for me. And so when we kind of came together here, we, we had a lot of, uh, similar thoughts and opinions on things. And, you know, overall we, we, what we want to kind of do here at Nebraska and the athletic performance lab is this thing's been around for nine years. It was unique nine years ago. It's unique now. There's no place in college athletics like Nebraska Athletic Performance Lab. Um, other universities like, you know, obviously ETSU and uh, Kansas uh, have their spots and, and Pitt is growing uh, right now. Um, but, you know, some of those spots are, are research related. They're, they're research trying to break into athletics, whereas we're the opposite. We're inside of athletics and we can do the research uh, we're all capable of doing the research. And so what we really kind of pride ourselves on is um, we're applied in nature. So we can look at the research and what the research is telling us, and we can take that and actually put it into application in sport. And so that's kind of our big, our big thing here. So we, we try to work with, uh, you know, coaching and support staff members. Um, we want to look at basically you know, I, I always jokingly say it's it's kind of like think back to middle school science class, right? Think back to your scientific methods and your principles. We want to take those scientific methods and principles and apply those to sport. And that can be a couple of different things that can be, you know, integrating sport technologies, whether that's force plate technologies or GPS technologies or even just, um, you know, uh, camera technologies within stadiums and, and things of that na nature training strategies, return to play, um, you know, we want, we want to be able to help them integrate those things into their actual environments. Um, and so for us, you know, again, it starts with scientific methods and principles, needs, problems, looking at what the actual question is, sitting down with coaches, asking them those specific questions, um, looking at those, taking that information in and, and, you know, providing them some things that maybe, maybe can solve that problem um, and, and kind of being that kind of uh, program performance manager within those, within those things, right? And being able to set up those assessments, set up 
the frequency of those assessments set up, uh, the interpretation of those, uh, being able to uh, provide feedback of those and then being able to actually apply those and be able to give some direction to the coach when we when we bring up these notifications of things that might be uh, you know need attention. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of my spiel about kind of what we're we're doing here. We are applied in nature. What a sensational way to define what we all should really be trying to do with everything we're trying to do, with the metrics we're taking, with the results we're seeing in training, with the meetings we're trying to have to find better questions to ask, being applied in nature. Does it actually carry into the situation? Are they being evaluated in the situations that matter? And do they impact the situations that matter? Yeah, I mean, again, like I, one of the big things for us is, and this is this is something where, you know, uh, I was at fault of it early on. Um, you know, when I was, you know, in the weight room at New Mexico, starting to do some stuff with my PhD and the and the tennis teams there, and um, it's being, you know, the 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 words that people use will be like data driven, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we want data, but we want to be uh, informed by data. We don't want to be driven by the data because ones and zeros are only going to tell us so much, right? So, you know, we need to be able to take that in and actually determine what is significant for us to act on. What is, uh, what's the context of the situation, right? So an example I give when I kind of talk to people is, is here at Nebraska, like I had, a, you know, men's gymnastics came in and they, uh, you know, they're, they're coming in to do jump testing with me before they start their, their weight room session. And, you know, a guy comes in and, um, and he, he's running late. He's eating one of the energy waffles on his way in. Cause he didn't have any breakfast. He comes in, he jumps and, you know, obviously, yeah, his jump numbers don't look great. So if I'm just sitting behind a desk in my office and looking at numbers and making recommendations, like, I'm not going to know that context. Right. When in actuality, it's like, yeah, you jump really, really bad. You need to go warm up for about 10 minutes and come back over and jump again because you didn't actually warm up. You're like, you're still half asleep. Right. And so then, you know, he, he can, he does that. And then it's like, oh yeah, you're fine. You just needed to warm up. Right. So context is important, you know, data driven. If you just focus on the numbers, you're going to miss a lot. If you just focus on the numbers, you're going to miss a lot. And I think Matt would say, although I still think we did a lot of really, really good stuff early on, if I can pat myself on the back a little bit. You should. Even though he probably drove 95% of it. Um, we probably were a little bit too much of that. At least I was where it was the questionnaires and the readings and all this were determining whether it was repeat, go up or go down. And, you know, I think that, you know, not evaluating it to a little bit of a greater extent probably put me in situations where we either a, you know, missed opportunities where we could have kept improving or B probably put me in situations and arguments that I didn't need to be in 
And part of that, I think, is growing pains. Um, and when you start to understand this stuff, part of that is understanding that none of these metrics, numbers, or um, these devices are deities, and that we still are we're coaching. We're not following some higher power that that's telling us, you know, your your heart rate was in the red too long, so all you can do is drink water and take a nap today. Yeah. Um, but understanding that the easiest and simplest additions slash modifications slash parts of their day may actually be what has the greatest impact of having them be quote unquote ready to go. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, and again, like I, I would, I, I go ahead and say like, I'm, I was at fault of this too early on. Um, you know, the, the flip side of that is also, and this is where, again, like we can kind of help and support, um, in this, in the processes, right. You know, I have a coach that may want to, you know, start doing for some reason, maybe he sees another coach is doing this. Like he wants to go ahead and, and, and start doing jump testing. That's great. Like not, I'm not going to say that's a bad idea necessarily. Like what, what I will say is, you know, when you sit down and talk to that coach, it's like, Hey, you guys have been doing jump testing. Oh yeah. We started doing that. Okay. Uh, what, you know, what are you seeing from that? Well, I haven't seen anything from it. I don't, I don't, I don't have access to it. Okay. Well, there's, there's a, there's a roadblock right there. You just, you, you, you're doing it. And that's another thing that you kind of see is sometimes, you know, again, this is where trying to be applied, right. We're trying to be applied in nature just because we have the technology, just because you go and buy the force decks or whatever plates doesn't mean you like you're utilizing that. You're just, you're just doing, you're just having your guys do extra jumps, right? Um, it's about setting up those processes in place and trying to answer a question or a problem that you have, whether that's from a performance side or an injury prevention side or uh, a, you know, response to load kind of question, like, you know, all of those things, like you need to have that, that process kind of, kind of lined out for you before you just start going off and doing things. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, that's that conversation piece where it's like, again, we need to sit down, have a conversation, this coach in particular, it's like, okay, if that, that's a roadblock, because now you're, you're doing this, but you're not actually applying this information to how you're training your athletes. So we need to try to sit down and, and actually map this thing out to what we want to actually look at, determine if counter movement jumps on the force plates are actually the, the thing we need to be looking at. Um, or if a simple like wellness questionnaire on a specific day, uh, because you're trying to hit max velocity or you're trying to hit like your heaviest day and you want to know that they're fresh going into that, like there's a lot of different things there. So, um, you know, again, that's that applied setting. It's not just technologies, you know? Yeah. I think that this technological arms race has gotten people a little bit over their heads at times. Um, me 100% being guilty of that. But I also think that, you know, what you're saying with that is, is vital. And it's something that a lot of us who were um, just collecting, right, seem to, to run into. And that is the fact that we didn't run it like a fifth grade science experiment, like you said in the beginning. You know, there was nothing that we were looking at. There was nothing that we were trying to build upon. There was no question that we were trying to answer. 
And in that sense, if you're just training to train and doing these things along with it, if you're not saying, if we do X, we hope to see Y and examining Y while you do X, you're never going to find out if you did anything anyway. You're just going to sit here and get lost in a sea of numbers and be like, well, I don't see nothing. And that's right. when you get in trouble. No, agree, hundred percent, and and that's where I think you know, uh, like my 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 experience with my PhD and my my PhD supervisor, his name is James Tafano. Um, if readers have looked at, you know, James has been on a number of different things, but but his his PhD work was on cluster sets and cluster set rest distribution and um, and those kind of things and. That's one of the big things that uh, James has, has really kind of pushed with me with my PhD work is, you know, I, I'm a great practitioner. Now, now it's time to look at this from an academic side, look at this from a research side. And to be honest with you, like that, that process has, uh, has helped me kind of navigate these kind of, this kind of terrain a little bit better because you, you have to think a little bit of, of like a researcher to a degree when you're kind of setting these things up, because there's so many factors that could affect these things, right? And how do you know, you know, that this measure or this technology or whatever is very sensitive to, to that training load that they're, that they're being prescribed by the coach, you know, like those kind of processes um, and going down the rabbit hole of like this, you know, trying to learn and educate myself further, that's really helped me out in this, in this situation. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think all too often we're trying to wear our coach's hat in those situations where, you know, unfortunately, we're just going to do a bunch of stuff that ticks a lot of boxes with different things and stare into these metrics and get completely lost with it when the reality of it is you're not identifying what the variables are that you're trying to improve. So you don't know how you're trying to improve them. Um, it's kind of like, in a sense, unfortunately, the same issue that some people have with the great idea of reverse engineering a game, right? Like, yeah, we want to sit here and talk about like, you know, we both get the pleasure of working in basketball. and We, you know, people want to talk about like, oh, you got to know your systems that you play and, and how they move and reverse engineer how they do these things and break down all this stuff. And it's like, bro, there's, it, it, that's almost impossible. Like I've been at the same place with the same head coach for 20 years. I could, I, I played soccer and hockey. Like I could run you through our offense. Like it's a, I can run you through the progressions that the offense has gone through. I could run you through a matchup zone defense versus the defense we ran last year versus the defense we run now. It's virtually impossible for you to take those things and say, this is the exercise we do in the weight room that's going to have direct translation to that. Now, are there some exercises that can help general sporting movements? Sure. Are there some exercises that can impact general fitness in ways that they can improve the loads and uh, durations of practice? Sure. But to sit here and try to die on the sword of well, we're doing these exercises specifically because it fits in with what we do here or there is naive at best. And I think that a lot of people, when they jump into some of these metrics and these technologies, look at it and say, 
well, we're jumping on force plates so we can have injury prevention. Well, okay, that's cool, but um, what if that left to right imbalance is uh, is a functional adaptation to the sport? You know, like you've got throwers. I would hope one side's stronger than the other. Yeah. You know, most basketball players, even at the highest level, prefer to go right or left. So they're going to jump more off one foot than the other. If they if they even are capable of jumping off two feet. And then these issues that you the issues, air quotes, or hashtag, depending on how old you are, um, <laughs> the issues that you run into here now, is it correctable? Is it something that should be corrected? Is it a functional adaptation to the athlete and becoming more elite in their actual sporting exercise? Or are you now sitting here and, you know, trying to change the brand new tires on a Ferrari? Like, yeah, you're not, you're not fixing nothing. You're not making it more efficient. So I think that, you know, what you guys are talking about doing there and how you have gone and said that you guys are doing this is brilliant because you have to identify what you're looking for and where these problems are you're trying to solve. Problems may not be the right word, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. In order to determine what you're testing. And like a lot of us go out and we're like, dude, force plates are cool right now. ISO mid-thigh pull is cool right now. I want to do that. All right, bet. But uh, why? Yeah. Like if, if you don't do clean pulls and you don't do any of the Olympic movements and all of a sudden you got these kids ripping ISO mid-thigh pulls, good luck. You know, like what, what for? And I just look at a lot of these things that we do. And I think that we have way too many touches for way too little information that is actionable. And I love how you guys are building this. I think that this is fantastic. And I think that this is something that more of us really need to take a big step back and, and evaluate how we're doing it. No, a hundred percent, man. And, and I think sometimes because of the, uh, technology boom, you know, so to speak, um, you know, sometimes people have forgot it, forgotten the, you know, the art of coaching, right. And they've forgotten the, the basics of coaching, the physiological like principles and pillars, right. Of, of just general physical preparedness, general athletic ability, uh, and, and preparation for those things. Um, you know, to your point, outside of outside of uh, you know, like you said, we we're both working within basketball, but you know, take this back, uh, you know, back in 2018 when I got to speed skating. So I'm originally from Mississippi. The accent is a little bit gone because I haven't been there and lived there in a while. But um, you know, I'm from Mississippi, so I get to speed skating. You know, we don't have ice in Mississippi. We have ice in our drinks, but we don't have ice on the on the ground. We definitely don't skate. Right. Um, and so coming into that situation, very similar to you, everybody wants to be so specific. Everybody wants to, you know, do, uh, oh, this is how we skate. So this is how we should train, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, to a degree. Yeah, sure. But if, you know, if someone on short track, like you made the example of, of you know, one side being more dominant, they're going left. It's NASCAR on ice. Right. So they're always going to have their left foot is always going to be their base of support as they're, as they're pivoting and, and crossing over through a corner and everybody wants to take the Apollo Ono track. So everybody wants to go as fast as possible, 28 miles an hour and make a really sharp 90 degree turn and cut and go inside of everybody else. 
well, do you have the strength for that? Do you have the ability to control your body in that leaned position? Do you have those things? And, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you must have done some really cool stuff with speed skaters and all this. I trained them very general. And we did our Olympic variations. If they were able to do it, we squatted, we did sprinting, just basic things, right? The basic principles, jump, throw, sprint, lift, um, you know, and, and they were successful and, you know, selecting the right metrics to look at for that, like having, you know, having to, to be in that process oriented of, okay, if we can improve X and we can monitor X, we're going to see an improvement in their opening half lap, so to speak. Right. Um, it's not about overcomplicating. It's about just using your coaching eye, using the art, the art of coaching and layering that with, you know, the data that you're collecting uh, in a, you know, in an actual systematic way, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, I, I, all too often, and it's probably the fault of technology and our phones and social media and YouTube and all of us yes. seeing all these neat things where it's like, oh, well, you know, this person does X, so we have to do that. And unfortunately, you know, your big rocks are your big rocks for a reason. You know, absolutely. You know, it's it doesn't matter how many times you hit them with a hammer and you chisel them down; they're going to be bigger than the other rocks. And it just is something that you need to keep hammering home and being proficient with. And it's, I think, the funny part too is you know the more we look at whether it be uh, bar velocity or we look at how they respond in practice or we look at speeds in practice, it's like. As we continue to improve on the basic, simple things, these other things, as long as you're continuing to practice a sporting activity, these other things seem to continue to grow. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Well, listen, Andrew, this has been an awesome 30 minutes, you know, looking behind the, the curtain of what you guys are building here and, you know, getting a little glimpse of the PhD that you're, you're working on and, and how you guys are building such a great thing, but where can people find more about you? What are your social handles and, and any emails? Maybe if you want uh, people want to get in touch. Yeah. I mean, they can feel free to reach out. Um, my email is just simply a steward at huskers.com. Um, they can reach out to that um, anytime. Um, we have 19 to 22 teams here at Nebraska that we're, that we're working with hand in hand with. And so uh, I'll get back to them <laughs> eventually. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's, that's probably a good spot. Um, Instagram, you can just find me, uh, coach a Stewart, um, is that handle. Um, and those are probably, I am, I am on, uh, Twitter, but not, not very much. So people can kind of find me there. It's just a Stewart lift at a Stewart lift. Um, and those are kind of my, kind of my, my handles. Fantastic, man. Dude, this is this is killer. I can't thank you enough. Keep up the great work out there, man. You guys are killing it. I'm really fired up to hear everything you guys are building. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, man. And as always, 
truly grateful for all of you and what you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.